Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 127. On this episode, I have John Hawkins of Mark Solon. John, how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you doing, Case? Good to hear from you, man. Man, if I was any better, John, I'd be you, buddy. That's that's how that's how good things are. I've heard that for a few years, so uh, I'm still I'm still waiting for that, but appreciate it. <laughs> Now, John's a good friend of mine, and any chance I get to get him on here, it's a it's a it's a big deal for me because John's one of those guys that I have a lot of respect for in the industry. And John's got a we used to bounce stuff off each other back when we were both used equipment guys a lot, and uh, and now uh, we both have different roles within the company, but we still have a direct tie to used equipment. So, John, uh, as you look around here, the first quarter of the year, what are what are you some of your takeaways so far uh, as you look back here through the through March? Yeah, you know, I look back, I look at the first quarter of the year and, you know, um, see a lot of, uh, still a lot of strength in the market for us compared to carrying over from last year. Uh, really a lot of, a lot of new equipment strength. We didn't have as much used equipment as we've had in the past. So uh, some of those sales have transitioned over to new, which has been good. Um, we are seeing some building up of used inventories, but, you know, that's something we've learned how to manage through it. And, uh, hopefully uh, learn from our uh, uh, shortcomings maybe in years past and, and um, a little bit more proactive for management plan. So, yeah. And I would, I would echo those, those comments, man. We take a look at what we've done um, so far. First year we've had our January and February's were, were all strong months. Um, um, in a lot of cases they were, they were stronger than, than we'd had uh, the year before. And echo to your point, we our used our new equipment sales have been, have been up um, a little bit. Um, our used equipment sales have been up as well, but we're also seeing some some transition, you know, into a into more of a a used equipment uh, a population that we probably haven't seen for a while in our inventory. So, as we look and see what's happened there, that twelve and fourteen model equipment's really starting to be kind of a an Achilles heel for us. Um, I, and I think if you look at the market, it's starting to be the same way. A lot of those pieces of equipment were the ones that guys got brand new in 2012 or 13 or 14 or whenever it was, and through the downturn, they hadn't trans, they haven't traded it like like they normally would have. And we're starting to see that machines come in with some pretty significant hours on them. Are you seeing a similar situation where you're at? Oh uh, yeah, you know we don't see quite the hours you do, just for the just the way our our demographics weight work out with our our farm sizes and whatnot. But we have some twelve, thirteen, and fourteen machines that, you know, I would say are, uh, you know, we, we we keep on thinking they're S series combines. And that's great; they are S series combines, and they're really pretty dependable now. But uh, but uh, you know what we see is that those machines are, are mid are midlife uh, are combines. You know, we, we think of S series, we think of the latest and greatest and newest. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these machines, 12, 13 and 14s are, uh, are either second machines now for people or, uh, or like I say, midlife machines for maybe third, fourth user that, uh, you know, uh, 
we'll make a good machine, but it's not going to be uh, not going to be a premium uh, a premium like new right. machine. Yep, and that's what we're seeing too. Those machines that are coming in now are um, some of those like the thirteen fourteens, especially do have some guys with some ninety seven seventies or um, something along that that vintage that are looking at. Uh, um, moving into uh, S series combine or something like that, doing some updating, so we're starting to see some some traction there. But um, to your point, yeah, that's exactly right. It's a you're looking at some backup combines or backup tractors or um, something along those lines. Especially if you find like a a four wheel drive. I've been seeing a lot of four wheel drives that have PTOs on them that are falling into that that category just for that cheaper horsepower, you know, grain cart rig. You can also yeah. throw a planter on it or a tillage piece or whatever it might be. So um, there's some there's some stuff going on there. So yeah, the, the good thing is those those like you can run the back of those twelve, thirteen, and fourteen machines, those S series combines. But what I see is uh, they might maybe been through the shop a couple times. Right. Um, they've been reconditioned a couple times through trades, and they're actually I think they're really pretty decent machines now and and on the market. And uh, you know somebody can get some real value there if they decide, hey, I want to buy a a 13 or a 14 model machine because those 14 models when they came out new they were pretty decent machines yeah and i think they're just they, they might have some hours on it but you're gonna see a lot of you see some good value there if you if you look at those machines yeah there's been plenty of plenty of work that's been done to those over the course of this of this downturn um and you know guys didn't necessarily um skip on the repair part of it you know they, they made sure that the machine was going to operate was going to do what they needed to do and um you know they improved a lot of things too just like any other any other any other machine as it goes down the line there's always product improvements to come out stuff like that so those things always come out so you do have a a, like you said a solid machine that's got some some pretty good uh, reconditioning done to it over the years so far okay all right so if you take a look at uh what's going on now we got all this trade stuff going on with china and i guess we're they've put a a a date on the on the uh, calendar i guess when they're supposed to meet um, or actually are looking at calendars anyway to make sure they can pin a date down and, and some stuff going on. So there's that's kind of headed in the direction we need to have a head in the uh, the U.S., the Mexico and North and uh, Canada free trade agreement that's coming out. That's pretty much been inked. Um, just got to get it ratified through Congress and get that taken care of. So from a trade perspective, it looks like we're heading in a good direction. Um, we saw a reflection of that in the markets here the last uh, few days, um, but but the one caveat that's kind of hanging out there that that could be uh, uh, a, a big deal for people is the weather. And so for like where we're at right now, over uh, see Wednesday night through Thursday, we had about depending on where you're at, twelve to sixteen inches of rain, twenty mile an hour winds, and greater. You know, down depending on where you were. Um, so we had quite a bit of snow land. We had a fair amount of, of rain before that. And, and where you guys are at out there in Illinois, you guys had just can't catch a break, man. You guys are should going into the water business, man. You should be selling some water somewhere, as much water as you got laying around out there. Um, because of that water that you've had, um, you had some uh, fall tillage work that didn't get done. Um, there are some, some parts of that area where crops didn't even get cut. So... Talk a little bit about that and what you see happening out there right now. 
Yeah, that's the one dynamic of the market that, uh, you know, unfortunately we can't control and uh, it would be really nice if we could figure out how to control that. But uh, we, we're, we're at the mercy of Mother Nature and the agriculture business, whether we're farmers, whether we're, we're uh, commercial applicators, seed, seed dealers, equipment dealers. So we're kind of all at the mercy there. Illinois, you know, it has its own dynamics. We, we had really an early, uh, an early fall. Or I should say early winter, and a lot of field work didn't get done um, because we did have a start to have a late fall. Uh, crops got out, then we had early winter. Um, I'd say probably half our half our work got done, maybe a little bit more this this fall, and uh, still a lot of nitrogen to go on. Um, then with that with that winter, we had we had some really cold, a lot of cold, which sent frost really deep into the ground. So. Uh, Right now, I like I told Case earlier, we're, we're feel like we're um, we feel like we're in the spring mode. It, it feels like spring um, right now. It's it's starting to uh, starting to smell like spring out there. We've had a lot of rain here recently, but we still got to get that th- that uh, frost out of the ground. And uh, we all know when we get a lot of frost in the ground, we get a lot of rain. We get a lot of ponding as well. So uh, it's going to be it's going to take some time. Um, how that all works out for us, boy, I, I wish I knew here moving ahead, but um, let's just say we're going to have a lot of work to do and it's going to be frantic and, uh, and fever paced when, uh, when it gets started here, probably in, uh, in a couple of weeks, um, trying to finish up with that fall, at least some of the fall tillage, um, more than likely just with a lot of, a lot of nitrogen. Now, the, the big dynamic in that is we really don't know if guys are get have enough time to get your nitrogen on. So we don't know if it's going to switch maybe uh, from uh, some farmers are going to switch more from, from corn acres back to bean acres, because we are, we're pretty heavy. I'd say, you know, 65, 35 corn bean rotation. And we might, we might be pushing closer to 50, 50 here after this whole thing is done, just because guys aren't going to be able to get their nitrogen on. Yeah. Have you had a lot of talk about that? about switching acres. I mean, are you hearing more about that or is it more of a, just kind of a wait and see, we'll see what we can do type of I would deal? Say, I would say it's all a wait and see right now. I think everybody has has their options laid out in front of them. They know what they need to do. The, the good thing is, is here, here uh, today in today's ag climate, a lot of our guys are fairly well equipped and they have a, they have a real good resource staff of, of of advisors, um, whether it's through their, 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 uh, certified crop advisors, whether it's through their dealerships, whether it's through their, their ASPs, you know, ag service providers that they're, they're giving them the options. They're telling them how they need to be equipped to, to, to handle whatever they need to do. So I think the options are on the table, you know, once again, they're, uh, they're just waiting to see what mother nature is going to say is, right. is what, how the house fit. And, you know, I think it might come down to the day or the week, Casey, before they really know what direction they're going to go. But once they, once they decide, they're going to go quick. Yep. All right. So that brings up another point now that I want to talk about with you, John. And because of the planning window that we were going to have this year across the entire United States, I don't care where you're at. Um, there may be a few exceptions where things are kind of humming along like they're supposed to. But whether you're in the Delta or if you're in uh, the Mississippi River Valley, or if you're out my way or wherever it might be, um, that planning window is going to be short and tight this year. So high-speed planters, I think, are going to be a, a a bigger deal than they've been in the past. Um, a lot of guys have made that decision now what they're going to do. Um, but with window planning window the way it is, and when they get out in the field and start working, I think next year that 
that that high speed planner is going to start playing a bigger role than what we even see it playing now. So, talk to me a little bit about how you see the exact emerge planner stacking up in there, as well yeah. as any kind of precision pressure that you're getting from from I, either other dealers or or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah, I see I see that uh, that high speed market growing every year. Um, Hey, it, it's it's taken a while to catch hold because it is an expensive investment. Yeah. But every year it grows a little bit more. Um, you know, we planner planner market in the whole. We we just we couldn't trade for enough planners last year. We felt yeah. like we had to demand. But at the time of the planner early order program, uh, weather was weather was very bearish. The markets were bearish as well, and it just didn't work out. It didn't work out real well. Well, we did we did stock. Um, some high speed planners and we sold all through those as well. This, so any, any, any high speed planner we had, whether it was new in stock or used one, we've sold them all. And I think there's demand for more. Um, what'll be interesting is how this, uh, the second user here in a few years, you start mm-hmm. getting some high speed planners that are one, two, three, four years old. And, uh, you start taking those in on trade. I think that demand will go even it will go even faster and, and harder just for the fact that expensive investment new um, they get a little bit of, they get depreciated down they get uh, they get repaired a little bit and uh, brought back to good spec. I could see uh, the used market on high speed being uh, being really strong in the next year. Or so and you're right. What you and what's going to drive that is is seasons like this, Casey. Right. Yeah. You just don't know. I mean, guys, guys want to move. They want to move fast. They want to be able to plant a crop in, in five days. And uh, and the way they're going to be able to do that with recommendations from their providers, whether it's a dealer or an equipment dealer or an ag service provider, say, hey, have a high-speed planner. Well, unfortunately, that inventory is not out there on the market as much as we'd like to say. So it might be a learning experience this year, but I think it'll just continue to grow the, uh, the strength, uh, for the, that demand of that planner. Yeah. And I, I agree with that, man. We, we look at what we have now. We have, uh, you know, like you said, our, our demand for planners is, is higher than it's been in the past, you know, four years, right. It's just been off the charts comparatively. Um, that the high speed planner end of it is, is something that I think we're going to, um, be able to, to push really good and, especially when we start talking about the agronomics of what those planters can do, whether it's, um, you know, the, the equal downforce across each row or, um, you know, the individual row thing is what's going to be even a bigger part of that. Um, in my opinion, because now you have a, a variable rate planter on steroids, man, you can just do all kinds of stuff based on soil conditions or, um, where you're at on, on, on the grade of the, of the, uh, the field or whatever it might be. So, there's a yeah they might be expensive but the return on investment is pretty high absolutely yep so there's a there's a lot of stuff to be and like you said there we're, we're moving into what this is be see 2015 was the first year for that so they had um we're, we're going into the to the fifth planning cycle of that and it's going to be interesting to see not only how those that used market stacks up but that that second or third trade in now we start looking at some of that stuff what's that third trade in start looking like and how does that hold in its value yeah. and it, it so far from what i can tell it's it's been holding its value quite well yeah i really i really uh you know in the last two years we haven't had a used exact emerge planner hit the lot once yeah. we trade for it you know it's it's sold before it hits the lot so i, I think that's pretty that's that's tells us how what the demand for that planner is on the market 
with it being a used planner. Mm-hmm. Have you had any guys um, that were strong 24-row guys look at that and say, you know what, I can go down to a 16-row or a 12-row or something like that? And to well, no, I we've had some DB guys that look at that and say we can go down to a 24. Yeah, okay. I just... That was the kind of you know I think the the speed of the planner thing was such a such a draw at the beginning when it first came out and now it's like the third or fourth thing that guys look at when they're looking at, at buying that planner. There's a there's a lot more to it than speed and and I think that that was the that was kind of the big selling point. Um, how look how fast you can go, but now it's emergence and you know singularity and all those different things that start playing into it. Those are those are way more important than than the speed. I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think the I think that's where the key is, is just how how well that places the seed in the ground and your singulation is so much better, even at a high speed than you would be at a normal speed with a, a regular, you know, vacuum planter. Right. Yep. Okay, so now let's jump over. Do you have a lot of precision pressure where you're at? Um, you know, we do, but we we also we also sell some precision products as well through uh through uh, a secondary market. But mm-hmm. you know, we do being tree mods real close. Um, yep. Tree mods actually in our in our in our area of responsibility, but uh, you know it's one of those things you learn how to you learn how to work around and work through. There's going to be people who want precision equipment. There's going to be people who want uh, who want uh, John Deere equipment, and you just try to give them the best and, and the most honest and transparent recommendations for what's for for what's right for them. Yep. And uh, you know, our last I saw, I think. Uh, I think precision equipment goes on a lot of John Deere, uh, you know, pre-owned equipment. And so we're going to try to, we'll try to trade for that as well and, and sell it. I think it's, it's a, it's a, uh, I mean, it's a proven product. Um, is it, is it the same quality as John Deere? Uh, it's argumentative, but, uh, you know, uh, it, it's one of those things that, uh, I would say we're going to, we're going to be open to either John Deere or precision if it does come on our lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I, I just, the reason I asked that question, I mean, we're the same way. We have we have a, some some precision uh, parts that we sell as well, and and we've got a fair amount of uh, um, you know mom and pop type uh, planner guys that are putting building some some bars and stuff out there for guys. But you know, when I, I look at a lot of those, uh, I'm I'm really interested to see how those those parts are going to start interacting when they start looking at some auction values or you start looking at some trading values of you know like. We've talked about a thousand times, you and I. The stuff that you bolt on doesn't have the same intrinsic value as something that's just part of the machine when it's uh, yeah. when, when it's sold new, right? So, Absolutely. I'm kind of watching that that precision stuff right now, trying to get a feel for where that used market is. And from the best I can tell, that there there is a uh, pretty significant drop off in value from from what it costs new to to where it is one or two years old. So are you, are you seeing anything similar to that? Uh, yeah, we, we do. And yep. you know, it's, that's the thing, you know, it, it all depends on the person who, who, um, right. Who ends up being the end user who, you know, you might get a person who's, who's been precision before that values that a little bit differently, but, but in general, if it's goes through the auction market, there is a, there is a lot more of a drop off than let's say just a genuine John Deere exact emerge. Yep. Uh, it's like, it, it's like planners, you know, their fingerprint, everyone's different. And, uh, I think that's what you run into with the with the precision side of the business is that one guy wants X, the other guy wants Y, and the planner you yeah. got's got X on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And <clears throat> it's kind of back and forth. It's just the same way. You know, our planners for the most part have a have a pretty. There's a few standard points that they they all have. You know, and that's uh, um, 
surefire system of some kind or something like that that's pretty standard across our AOR. But there is a few oddball things that pop up once in a while, and those oddball things that pop up once they're just we can't we can't really value them for very much because the next guy that is obviously either going to take it off or not want Absolutely. it, or he's going to discount the price of the machine because he's got to do something or whatever else. So, is that agree with you completely? There, yeah. we we look at the same way, you know, and that's you're right. You know, the planner is pretty much the fingerprint of the person, so whatever they want and. Yeah. Uh, not not you know hardly or anybody is anybody the same you might get some small pockets here or there but you know there's so many differences or variations you can do to a planner that you know it, it has to that's why i like the exact emerge is that it it pretty much it's high speed it's that way for the factory it has the options on that the customer got from the factory and uh they seem to they seem to be just a little bit uh they, they say they sell better because yep. of that I think so. I think you're right. I mean, it's just something because you can't take it off, right? So it has to have it on there for the for the planner to work. So it yeah. makes a big difference, in my opinion, to, to make it to do what it needs to. Um, let's jump over and talk about combines here a little bit. That's that is, you know, if you're in used equipment at all, combines are the thing that just never go away, right? It's the it's that it's that stray dog that just won't go away. You know what I mean? I guess the best way to put it. So you take a look at. Uh, at the combine market, I, f- I feel like there's some there's some strength there, but it, to me, it's it's more in that three year old to new range. I think that's where a lot of our plays coming from. Um, what are you guys seeing for used combine market, and how do you see it working out for you guys there in Illinois? Yeah, uh, you know, we talked about that a little earlier that you know our combine our combine inventory is a little bit higher now than it has been in years past. That's that's signs to that uh, that are, you know maybe. Uh, that our economy is getting a little bit healthier, farm economy is getting a little bit healthier, and guys who maybe uh, hadn't bought machines the last few years are deciding to buy some machines again. You know, as far as the use side, um, yeah, I would say that our our one, two, three year old machines are, are are fairly popular, and uh, you know, we um, we actually have some one year old machines now that to sell. Where in the, in the past we just didn't sell enough new to to have some of that carry into the season or in the next season. So um, I still think there's a pretty decent market for that mid, that midlife machine too, if it's the right hours. Now, if it's not the right hours, it's a little bit higher hour, like maybe would you would see out there, you know, maybe a comment goes through the wheat run or, or some sort of customer on. Um, I could see where that could be a little bit of a challenge, but you know, we'll have some mid mid year combines or some lower hours that still are, are pretty popular machines, you know, if, you have 14 15 you know model machine if it's got low hours it's it's a pretty popular machine yeah yep. seems like for us that 15 model is kind of the kind of the cutoff you know i mean you get um you start looking at machines that got 2000 2500 separator hours on them, those kind of things that's when you really start kind of running into the i don't know who the next buyer is and yeah. um oddly enough the 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 Mexican market has actually been quite open to S-series combines with those kind of hours on them that they can buy yeah. in yeah. that one hundred twenty-five dollars to $130,000 range. You seen anything like that in your neck woods? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, back when you and I were used equipment, uh, you know, guys back, you know, a few moons ago, that was uh, that was the, uh, you know, 2008, 2009 S- or STS combine. Yeah. It's really pretty much the same machine. It's just, you know, just a different you know, a different uh, model and a little different machine, but uh, you know, it's pretty much from a year and a price standpoint. That's that, that's that market. Yeah. 
Yep, and that, that's the one thing, too. In the 97-70 guys <clears throat> are looking at, you know, some. there's Mexicans that are looking for those, uh, buyers that are looking for those as well. Um, we see them come up and talk to us about that a lot as well. So that kind of gives you an idea that that 10 to 15-year-old kind of window that, that those buyers are looking for, I mean, it's starting to kind of ring true when you start looking at maybe some 2012 model machines. You're getting pretty close to that 10-year-old time frame. But also price is driving it, too. Are you doing anything different right now as far as your the number uh, we start looking at your used at your used combine market are you doing anything different now than you were last year i mean are you looking at things different are you is um, there some different avenues you're looking at you know, we, we, we do we're just a lot more proactive now yeah, than we, yeah. we had been in the past you know we're, we're identifying the machines that maybe uh we have a little bit more risk than we maybe uh had had in the past and and, and look at those right now and mm-hmm. saying okay start to let's start to execute a plan today march 15th instead of waiting till august 15th yeah. or july 15th you know and just just try to be more proactive with the situation and it, it, number one number one of number one part of a plan is, is identification and, right. you know you can identify earlier and start to build a plan earlier and start to execute on a plan earlier you're, you're probably you're more likely to be in a better position yeah that's what we've started doing more than anything now is we're looking at um, every Monday, we're, we're me and my team are looking at uh, three months out and six months out. What do we need for used equipment, and then filling those, trying to fill those gaps, obviously from inside our AOR as much as we can, and uh, go out and target those machines that that we need to fill those gaps with with new ones. And that's kind of what we're trying to do. So um, I, I think it's going to pay off, like you said, being proactive, being less reactive. Uh, we're really good about knowing what we need to have about halfway through the, the selling cycle. And then, yeah. we, and then when we finally get it, that selling cycle's done. And we wonder why we got something that's been sitting around forever. Um, but yeah, I think there's, we're, we're looking at stuff a lot different now than we have in the past, just to be, like you said, proactive, using a lot of EDA data and, and other, other avenues of data that we can come up with um, to really help drive that, um, proactiveness when we're looking at our used inventory so there's a there's got to be some some a better way to 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 manage your inventory always trying to find that when you look at your row crop market right now um where do you think you have the highest uh highest return at right now is it is it the row crop tractor or is it four-wheel drive tractors or, or what is it that's that you see as a as a big push for you yeah, for us, it's a row crop tractor. Uh, probably the biggest thing, though, I, we just don't have a lot of row crop inventory. I'd love to have some more. We we might have to go out and, and, and get on go on the market and and get some more, just for the fact that uh, you know we we've sold a lot of machines uh, in the last a lot of a lot of tractors the last few years. We had a lot of guys who maybe during the uh, kind of the down might have. Uh, downscale a little bit with their tractor inventory and said, well, we can go with the tractor less or, or a couple tractors less. And now they feel a little bit stronger. They're feeling a little bit healthier and they want to buy a machine back. And so we've sold a lot of, we've sold a lot of uh, outright deals in the last, uh, in the last four to five months on tractors. And that's kind of showing in our, uh, in our, uh, in a row crop used inventory. Another thing is, is when we, we do get a trade, let's say it's a pre-def, um, pre-def 8R or it's a late model 30 series. Those things are sold. The, the demand for those tractors are very high and we just don't, uh, we don't see a lot of uh, uh, them, they, them hitting a lot ever. Yeah. They, they, they're, they're sold before, uh, before they hit the lot. So 
with that being said, it's, it's really good for our, our tractor inventory. It's healthy. It turns quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I'd like to have a, just maybe a little bit more inventory. Yeah. And we're kind of the same way. You know, we, the 30 series tractor, um, pretty much irregardless of hours is something that, that guys are looking for kind of back to our earlier conversation of that backup tractor and what that looks like. So we'll get a, a five or 6,000 hour 30 series tractor to come in and, and, uh, somebody will come by that and it's all price driven, right? And it's not, there's not some huge demand for uh, overpaying on 30 series tractors, but it's a price driven market. You know, it's, it's a price rig now. It's not a, a benefit rig. It's a price rig. So yeah. we're starting to see that too. Um, kind of the same way we could probably use a, a few more eight hours or something like that to fill some you know, gaps. The exciting thing for us though, is that, uh, you know, in the past we had, a, we had a, a good supply of you know one year old low houred eight r's mm-hmm. those are those are for the most part gone right uh, so so what that what we've been able to do is uh fill that gap with some new tractors too and mm-hmm. and you really some guys some farmers producers that you know in the past had always bought maybe their tractors new right and when we hit the uh when we hit kind of the the uh the hyperinflation era of used equipment, they started buying the one-year-old used because they were available, they were plentiful, they weren't too far off of the new price and uh, started buying used. Well, so we, we, we moved some of those guys back into new equipment and that, and there's, there's nothing better than if you can, you know, get a traditional producer to, to buy a new tractor. It's, uh, it's something that, uh, I think they'll, they'll benefit from in the long term too. And, uh, um, and, uh, we do because we, we'd like to sell new equipment whenever we can. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I think you'll see, we see more of those people starting to look, well, if you don't have that used machine, what do you have for new? So we have, we have a good, we have a good selection of new tractors as well. We can sell. Yeah. Yep. We're seeing the same thing. It's, it's kind of a, it's, it's really funny how everybody wants to, to take a look at their, at their area and say, Oh, we're different than everybody else. But in the grand scheme, I mean, yeah. really everyone's pretty much the same i mean sure. you might be able to have something you might have a rig out there somewhere that is a specialty thing that is kind of to your area but 90 percent of what you do is north american wide man whether it's canada or the u.s doesn't really matter it's going to be about the same yep i agree okay all right man so let's take a look at what you see happening here going into uh kind of the rest of the year kind of through planting season into uh into harvest so yeah. What's your what's your feel for the overall economy and, and how do you see things shaping up? <clears throat> well, you know And if you know the answer to this, John, you need I'm gonna go out and you and I'm, become I'm gonna, a billionaire. I'm gonna, a, right? I'm gonna give you a plug right here, okay? I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Move and Iron Podcast a plug because you're talking to a lot of you're talking to a lot of people. I mean, whether you're a farmer, whether you're uh you know, ag service provider or equipment dealer, seed dealer. We all have a lot of risk in agriculture today, especially with the dynamics we're facing with with trade with weather with markets um and nothing's cheap whether right. whoever you are in, in ag it's, it's it's all it's all rather uh, we all have a lot of risk right so you know um being able to listen to podcasts like yours talk to different people in the market it's able to help help us all uh you know understand understand where we need to position ourselves um 
if I had the answer, I, I, I definitely wouldn't probably tell you because uh, <laughs> I keep that to myself. But you know, it's one of those things we're gonna we're in for in for a very memorable 2019. Uh, I mean, well, we won't forget just because there's so many more dynamics that we've never seen before. You know, the, the uh, you know we have we have trade, we have weather impacts. Um, there's just a lot of stuff that that's going to. Uh, that's going to affect our market and affect our, 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 our customers markets that, uh, that we just need to stay ahead of, try to understand the trends and position ourselves to be the best we can. Um, it's still kind of, we're kind of like that. We're kind of like that farmer that doesn't know whether to plant corn or soybeans. We're going to wait and see. Right. We're going to be aggressive. And uh, I think everybody that wants to be in a business is going to be aggressive, but yet we're going to, ha- we're going to have our, we're going to have all our options weighed out in front of us. And when it's time to act, we're going to act quick. Yeah. And that's exactly what you have to have to do, man. That execute that plan. We talk about the commodity guys that got on here with us, chip or whoever, talking about having a plan and sticking to that plan and, and moving forward. So <clears throat> there's going to be a, uh, you know, 2019, I think is going to be that year we look back on and say, Hey, you know what? This was where we turned and this was the turn in the economy. And this was the, yeah. everything is getting, is coming back to the way it should be. Um, we're, we're, we've hit that bottom of the trough and now we're coming back out. So um, I, I think we could see some, some climb in commodity prices this year just because of, if the trade thing especially gets worked out and especially if there is some plane delays or whatever weather market of some kind kind of comes around so you know everybody wants a, a weather issue just not on their farm so it's uh it's one of those things where we're, we're starting to see something like some of that stuff develop across the entire country though some are worse than others but it, it's a it's a nationwide thing so I'm looking forward to see how 18 works out or 18, 19 works out and, and where that goes. And uh, I think we're going to see some, some very positive things come out of the year. Yeah. No, I, I would like, well, I'll say case. And once again, your podcast is great. It, it helps out, you know, people like myself to sit there and say, okay, what are, what are some of the resources that you pull together? And we can just listen and, uh, and formulate our own plans. And that, that, that's, that's a great advantage that we didn't have five years ago, six years ago. And uh, it's nice to be able to have that as a resource. Well, I appreciate that, John. And for the for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, John's been on my podcast probably six, seven times. So he was the yeah. second guest on, on the Moving Iron podcast. So John's been a big supporter of this, and I appreciate that through the years, bud. All right. Let's see. All right. Well, let's shut it down here, John. So, okay. If guys, uh, we've been doing this for a little bit now, John. We've got a, got a lot of conversation out there. If, if guys want to reach out and pick your brain or ask you a question or something like that, what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, you know what? You can you can find me on uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, jhawk eight three ten r. That time, that was my favorite tractor, that eight three ten r. But uh, <laughs> probably had need to move it to a bigger model now, right, Case? That's but right, jhawk yeah. r is a good place. You can instant message me there. Um, also, uh, Jay Hawkins, uh, at martinsullivan.com. You can also email me if you want as well. Right on. Well, John, it's, uh, it's great to have you on here and been a good friend over the years. And I, uh, look forward to working with you for many more and until the next time, have a good one, buddy. Right.
See you, Case. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and globalagnetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. Moving iron in the 21st century. See you.